This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Faith is a very important subject in the Bible, and we gave certain reasons why that's the case. We said, number one, it takes faith to get saved. Then we said, two, the Christian life is a life of faith. Then we said, three, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Then number four, it's by faith that we resist the devil. Amen. Number five, it's through faith we receive answers to our prayers. Number six, it's by faith that we appropriate the blessings of God. Number seven, we said whatever is not of faith is sin. Number eight, we said that for God's word to profit us and work effectively in our lives. Amen. That's nine. We need to mix it with faith. Eight, we said that faith is one of the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. Then ten, we said it's by faith that we stand. Eleven, we said we're kept by the power of God through faith. Twelve, the only fight we're called to fight is the fight of faith, and it's a good fight. Then thirteen, the family of God is called the household of faith. Fourteen, faith is part of our spiritual armor. Fifteen, whatever uh, it's by faith that we overcome. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Then 16, Paul told Timothy, his son in the faith, to follow after faith and to be an example of a believer in faith. Then 17, which is where we left off, we said that we function in the gifts and endowments God has placed on our lives according to the proportion of our faith. And then we looked at Romans 12 from verse 68. Well, the Bible says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. He or he that ministers shall wait on his ministering. He that teacheth on teaching. He that exhorteth on exhortation. He that uh, giveth shall do with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So we notice there that, especially that verse 6, he says, he who prophesies should do it according to the proportion of his faith. Now, the gift of prophecy is one of them. In that context, is an endowment. You know, the verse before, in verse 5, it says, we be many are one body in Christ. We're members one of another. Verse 4 talks about each one having a different office. God has placed us to do different things, and we are endowed to do whatever it is that God has called us to do. However, that endowment doesn't necessarily just work by itself. You know, sometimes we think, if I just had more power, if I just had uh, a stronger anointing, I will have more results. Not necessarily. It takes faith to activate it. And we saw the example in Matthew 10.1. Jesus gave his disciples power to cast out devils, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Yet, in Matthew 17, if you follow the story from verse 14 to 21, you see how they were unable to get that boy, at least the nine of them, to get that boy delivered from the demonic affliction he had. They asked Jesus, why could not we cast out the devil? Jesus said it was because of their unbelief. So that means that it takes faith to activate the power. Do you see that? It takes faith to activate the power of God. Tell your story. In 1950, September 2nd, 1950, Kenneth Higgin, a blessed memory, he had an unusual experience. And in Acts 2.17, God said, uh, uh, In the last days, I pour my spirit upon all flesh. said, Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Well, the Amplified Bible, where it says your young men shall see visions, 
The Amplified Version says, shall see divinely granted appearances. September 2nd, 1950, he was in a tent meeting in Rockwall, Texas. And all of a sudden, as we were praying that night, he had a voice say, come up hither. How did the second time come up either? Well, he was wondering, who's that person disturbing the service? He thought maybe one of the deacons would go attend to it. You know, he was a guest minister having a revival meeting in this church. Then he heard it the third time, come up either. He opened his eyes. He had come up to the throne of God. Well, he saw Jesus about where the roof of the tent should be. The whole vision lasted about one hour, 30 minutes. Well, in the course of the vision, Jesus gave him a special anointing to minister to the sick. You know, told him, stretch forth thy hand. He stretched his hand. And then he put the finger of his right hand on the palm of each of his hands. And then he told him, he said, I've given you a special anointing to minister to the sick. Said the healing anointing is not in your feet. I didn't tell you to lay your feet on anybody. Oh, Jesus had a sense of humor. He's, he does. Said the healing anointing is not in your head. I didn't tell you, tell you to lay your head on anybody. I don't believe, I believe Jesus was just... You know, being humorous when he said that, you know, yes, we should be serious people. But if you're always serious and your face is looking like, let us pray all the time, then you might need to lighten up a little bit like you just did. Thank you. Amen. So, told him, he said, it's in your hands. Then Jesus told him this. He said, when you're ministering, could you come, sir? Just come up. When you're ministering to people, told him to put one hand in front of them and one hand behind them like this amen and that you could be seated and that there were some cases that there was a demon responsible for the sickness not all the time he said if there was a demon responsible he will feel that fire in his hands jump from hand to hand and anytime that's the case you should call the demon out in his name and the demon or demons will go now 1952 december the sending of spirits started working in his life and ministry so he didn't need to be doing that to ascertain whether there was a demon now you say what if it was a lady yeah if it was a lady he didn't do that what he did when it was a lady he had his wife if his wife followed him she would put her hand on the lady's body back and front and then he would put his hand on his wife's hands now if his wife wasn't there in the meeting he got an older uh, lady from that church to do that you know preachers we ought to have sense some of us don't Amen. But we should. Praise God. It's just good ethics. Well, about a month after that time, he was having this meeting in, in um, Oklahoma, Broken Bow, Oklahoma. And then there was this man. The man had tuberculosis of the spine. His spine was stiff. It was stiff like a rod, a metal rod. He couldn't bend. thing was stiff. Well, the man came up, put one hand in front, one hand behind. Sure enough, you know, to know whether it was just a case of healing or the man, there was a demon that needed to be dealt with. He felt the fire jump from hand to hand. So he knew there was a demon. You see, don't forget my point. We function in the gifts and endowments God has placed on our lives according to the proportion of our faith. That's what I'm illustrating. He felt the fire jump from hand to hand. So he said, demon, leave his body alone. Now, was the man possessed? He wasn't. You know, uh, a Christian cannot be possessed. It's impossible. A Christian can be oppressed. A Christian can be obsessed. But a Christian cannot have a demon in his spirit. For a demon to be in your spirit and to possess you, it will first have to dispossess you of the Holy Spirit. And there aren't enough devils in hell to do that. Are you listening to me? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So, 
told the demon to leave the man's body. Was it in his spirit? Then he told the man, bend down and see if you can touch your toes. The man tried, couldn't bend, was stiff. Well, he did it a second time. He felt the fire jump from hand to hand. So he knew, yeah, that's what Jesus told me. Then told the demon to leave. Then told the man, bend down and see if you can touch your toes. He couldn't. Did it a third time, same result. Well, it felt like three times is enough for one person. Told the man, well, go sit down. As he was going, as sick as he came, all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to him again. You know, he had eight of such major visitations from 1950 through to 1963, 1963 August. You know, and um, Jesus appeared to him and then he pointed his finger at him and told him, I told you to call the demon or demons out in my name and they will go. He said, yes. I know you did. It was barely a month ago. Then he started plenty to Renchi, plenty grammar. Eh, he told me he was in rock war. When you appeared to me, then you told me this. It said the whole thing. He said, but I told the thing to leave, and he didn't leave. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus looked at him again, pointed his finger at him, said, but I told you to call the demon or the demons out in my name, and they will go. He said, that's what I did. Eh, but the demon didn't go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, by the third time, he said, he was the only one seeing Jesus. They, could, they knew the crowd could see was having a conversation with someone. They didn't see Jesus. He heard what Jesus was saying. They didn't hear. They could hear what he was saying. They knew he was having a conversation. He had an experience. They could tell. He said, by the third time around, Jesus pointed his finger and almost touched his nose. He said, and Jesus was angry. He said he knows how he must have looked at, like when he chased out the money changers out of the temple. He said his eyes blazed fire. He almost literally saw lightning in his eyes. You know, if the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please him, then that tells us something. That nothing displeases God like unbelief. It displeases him. He said he pointed his finger at him and angrily he said to him, he said, but I told you to call the demons out in my name and they will go. And he disappeared. Ah, it was like the handshake has got him beyond the elbow. Oh, the man, come back here. The man came back. And in a moment, he saw the mistake he did, he made, which you might have seen. But if you haven't, we'll all see it in a bit. He put one hand in front, one hand behind the fire. Jumped from hand to hand. Then he said this. He said, demon, demons, I told you to leave the man in the name of Jesus and out you go. Then he told him, bend down and touch your toes. Instantly, he bent down. He was perfectly healed. Now, why did he not walk the three previous times? After he ministered, he said, see if you can touch your toes. You see, if is the badge of doubt. <laughs> okay, go and do this. Let's see if it will work. That means it may work. It may not work. You know, you hear some people say, well, let me try this confession thing. Well, forget it. It's not going to work. You don't believe in it. You're trying it. You try something where you're not sure it will work. If is the badge of doubt. Now, was he anointed? Ah, was anointed. Jesus gave him special anointing self. You know, had a spectacular experience. Did it work? At least the first three times it didn't. Why didn't it work? Doubt. Do you see that? So just being anointed by itself, of itself, is not enough. It's faith that gives action to the power. Do you see that? So we function in the gifts and endowments God has placed on our lives according to the proportion of our faith. Amen. That's 17. 
That's 17. 18. All things are possible to the believing one. 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 Now, the Bible says in Matthew 19.26, Matthew 19.26, you see it in Matthew 19.26, you see it in Mark 10.27, you see it in Luke 18.27, that with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. See it in those three places. So the Bible says all things are possible with God, right? So we don't have a problem with that. But do you know that the same Bible that says with God all things are possible also says in Mark 9.23 that if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. So all things are possible to the believing one. Now the context of that story was that same story about the man that uh, brought his son. Demons used to throw him in the fire and all that. Devil used to vex him and everything. You know? The man said to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on, on us and help us. NIV says, Jesus said, if I can, it's not a matter of what I can do. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. You see, God will do for us as much as we dare to believe him for. You see, the word impossible, it does not exist. Not in my dictionary, not as far as I'm concerned. Impossible does not exist. There's nothing called impossible. You don't tell me anything is impossible. Because all things are possible to him that believes. All things. All things. If one is true, then the other is true. If we don't have trouble with the fact that with God all things are possible, that same Bible tells us that all things are also possible to the believing one. See, there's something about faith that puts us in the realm of omnipotence. There's something about faith that puts us in the realm of God where impossibilities do not exist. Amen. It's possible. What's that goal you have for 2019? It's possible. What's that dream that God has placed in your heart that it just seems like it can never happen? Listen, it's a lie. It will happen if you would dare to believe God. All things are possible to him that believes. Impossibilities do not exist. There are no incurable diseases. They don't exist. Not with God. Nothing. Not cancer. Nothing. Not HIV AIDS. Nothing. With God, all things are possible. And the same Bible says all things are possible to him that believes. Amen. Many times when I'm faced with seeming impossibilities, I go look myself up in a mirror and I begin to tell myself I'm a believing one. All things are possible to me. All things are possible to me. I'm a new creation. I'm tied up to deity. I'm one spirit with God. All things are possible to me. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, 19, 19 reason. Well, we say faith is a very important Bible subject. Number 19. Christianity. Christianity. You could put a comma. The New Testament. Christianity, the New Testament, the gospel. Using them synonymous terms. Christianity, the New Testament, and the gospel. It's called faith. Christianity, the New Testament, the gospel, is called faith. Christianity is called faith. Amen. It's called faith. The New Testament, the gospel, is called faith. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3. 
verses 24 and 25. Galatians 3, 24 and 25. The Bible says there that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Really, a better translation, the law can never bring anybody to Christ. A better translation, really, is that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us until the time of Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Verse 25 says, but now that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. So you see, Christ brought faith. The time of Christ is the time of faith. The Old Testament is called the law, right? The New Testament is called faith. It's called faith. You see, in the final analysis, the message of grace and the message of faith really identically the same thing. Identically the same thing. That's right. The Bible says it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Amen. Identically the same thing. Christianity is called faith. It's also this dispensation of grace. Speaking in a general sense. Now I'm talking about a balanced biblical grace message. You understand what I mean by that? Also, just like I'm talking about a balanced biblical faith message. Amen. The New Testament is called faith. That's what it's called. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or with perseverance the race that is set before us. Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, you'll discover that the word our in verse 2 is in italics in the King James Version. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, literally, uh, anytime any, a word is in our in the King James Version, it wasn't there in the original. The translators only added it hoping it will give more meaning and understanding to the verse. So that verse literally really means in the original text, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. So Jesus brought this faith way. Now, if you take that really in context, you know, in chapter 11, the Bible was talking about the hall of fame of the heroes of faith. Starts by talking about God at creation. Talks about Abel, talks about Noah, talks about Abraham, talks about, you know, Joseph, you know, uh, Moses, down the line, David, Samson, Jephthah, you know, all those mighty men. And he now ends it by saying, these all died, of course, with the exception of God, he didn't die. He doesn't die, he lives forever. The men, they all died in faith, not having received the promise that they without us should not be made perfect. Now, that promise was not for their day. What promise was he talking about? The promise of Jesus and his finished work of redemption. It was for us. He now says that, that they without us should not be made perfect. He now says, we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. We are now to look unto Jesus. Thank God for those guys. They weren't made perfect without us. The real deal has now come. And his name is Jesus. In the finished work of redemption. Are you listening? So Jesus brought that new way. He brought the faith way. So Christianity is called faith. That's what it is. Romans 10 from verse 6. It says, The righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven to bring Christ again from above? 
how who shall descend into the deep to bring Christ again from the dead? Verse 8 says, But what seeth it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. You notice that the gospel is called the word of faith. That's what it's called. I've heard people say, well, you know, there was the word of faith movement. Then there came the apostolic prophetic movement. Then there came the disorder movement. Listen, the word of faith is not merely a movement. It's a lifestyle. It's a dispensation. If the word of faith movement in court is over, then that means that we're in the great tribulation and you miss the rapture. <laughs> That's what it means. No, we're still in the church age. Amen. So faith, that's the new covenant. That's what Jesus brought. His death, burial, and resurrection is able to bring us into a vital relationship with God on the basis of faith in his substitutionary sacrifice. Does that make sense? So Christianity, the New Testament, the gospel is called faith. Galatians 3, 24 and 25 Hebrews 12, verse 2. Romans 10, verse 8. The word of faith which we preach. And then number 20. 20. 20th reason. And the last one for the sake of this course. Amen. Why well, we say faith is a very important Bible subject. Is faith the greatest subject in the Bible? It's not. What's the greatest subject in the Bible? Love is. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. You know, the Bible says, And now abided faith, hope and love these three but the greatest of these is love so love no doubt is the greatest why because god is love we should be strongest on walking in love but this is it you know you have eyes right but you don't walk with your eyes do you you walk with your legs you have uh, a tongue you don't taste with your ears do you, you taste with your tongue each one has what it is meant to do so it's when everyone does its part that everything works the way it should. Amen. Faith is a very important Bible subject. Very important Bible subject. Number 20. 20. Jesus was a faith teacher. Jesus was a faith teacher. Jesus was a faith teacher. Jesus was a faith teacher and so was Paul. Jesus was a faith teacher and so was Paul. That's interesting. Jesus was a faith teacher. Yes, he was. So, I mean, good company. And you are too. Jesus was a faith teacher and so was Paul. If you check what Jesus said, his teachings, you discover that the four Gospels show that he emphasized faith. Mark 11, 22 to 26. It says, And Jesus answered and saith unto them, Have faith in God. The literal Greek actually says, Have the faith of God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And, verse 25, When ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, in that will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. That was Jesus teaching faith, wasn't he? Yeah. Mark 5, 36. Jesus said to Jairus, you know, when he heard the message that they brought, that his daughter died, Jesus told him, do not be afraid. Believe only. That was Jesus encouraging the man to exercise faith. Matthew 9, 27 to 31. Two blind men came unto him. Well, 
This was on his way from Jairus' house. They were crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. You know. And then he asked them, what do you want me to do for you? They said, I will receive our sight. He said, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, verse 29, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. And they got healed. You know, that was Jesus encouraging them to walk in faith. Luke 17, verses 5 and 6. The Bible said, increase our faith. Then he said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed. Matthew 17, 20. Matthew 21, 21. See, so Jesus taught a lot on faith. He was a faith teacher, no doubt. Certainly wasn't a doubt teacher or a fear teacher. He always said, fear not. Do not be afraid. Amen. So he was a faith teacher. What about Paul? Paul was a faith teacher too. In, in um, 2 Timothy 1.11, Paul said he was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. That's what he said. That was his call. In 1 Timothy 2.7, 1 Timothy 2, 7. He said he was ordained a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Verity is truth. So he was a teacher in faith. He was a faith teacher. Praise God. Jesus was a faith teacher. Paul was a faith teacher. Amen. In Luke 18, 8. Luke 18, 8. Jesus asked the question. He said, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? If someone is asking whether he will find something, it means he's, he's, when he comes, you'll be looking out for it. Amen. Praise God. Now, is that the only subject we teach in Rema? Certainly it's not. In our level one, we teach 25 courses. Faith Foundations is just one of them. You know, in our level two, we teach like 30-somewhat courses. Faith is just one of them. 17 core that everybody takes. Praise God. But you see, there's a spirit of faith that you will hear in all our classes. Regardless of the subject. There's a spirit of faith that will come out regardless of the subject. Whether it's a stream course, it's a main course, there's that spirit of faith. You know why? Because in May of 1950, Kenneth E. Hagin, of blessed memory, the person that founded this school, school was founded September 1974, Brother Higgin then, 1950 May, he was in Houston, Texas, in the United States. He had an audible voice speak to him from heaven. And the voice said this to him. He said, I want you to go teach my people faith. I have taught you faith through my word. I have permitted you to go through certain experiences. You've learned faith both through my word and by experience. I want you to go teach my people what I've taught you. I want you to go teach my people faith. So you see, that's the heartbeat of this school. That's our central mission. Go teach my people faith. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So take every subject seriously. Take this also seriously. Very seriously. So that's talking about the importance of faith. So you'll agree with me with those 20 reasons that faith is certainly an important subject. If you can't please God without something, you can't resist the devil without it. You can't get saved without it. You can't live the Christian life without it. You can't, you can't be an effective minister without it. You can't stand without it. <laughs> you had better start paying attention to that thing. Don't you think so? So it's a very important subject in the Bible. Now let's go to our next point. What is faith? What is faith? Turn with me in your Bibles. Now this Rema Bible Training Center, we open the Bible. Amen. Sometimes quoting helps us to cover a lot of ground pretty quick. We have just 12 hours. So we're endeavoring to make the best of the 12 hours. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Hebrews 11 1. It says, Now faith 
is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Another translation says, faith is being confident of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see, being confident of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. Praise God. Another translation says, faith is the warranty deed that the thing we have fondly hoped for is at last ours. Amen. The warranty deed or the title deed that the thing we have fondly hoped for is at last ours. Another translation actually says, NIV, that faith is being sure of what we hope for, being certain of what we do not see. The New English Bible, it says, what is faith? It says, faith is giving substance to the things that are hoped for. Amen. Let's just look it up. Let's look that verse up in several translations. Several translations. Thank God for iPads. You know. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11. The American Standard Version. It says, now faith is assurance of things hoped for. Hoped for. A conviction of things not seen. We see, we've seen the words substance, evidence, sure, certain, confident, convinced, assurance. Amen. Let's look at the Amplified Classic. Amplified Classic. What, how does it uh, read? Praise God. It says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith, perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Praise God. Let's look at Darby, G.N. Darby. G.N. Darby's translation. Let's see how it renders Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the substantiating of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the substantiating, the putting to substance, giving substance to. Well, let's look at some more. The easy English Bible. You know, so many translations in this modern day. Thank God. It says, if we trust God, we can be completely sure about things. We will be sure about the things that we hope for. We will be sure about things that we cannot even see. Now, let's look at some more translations. Um, let's see the contemporary English version. It says, faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. Amen. Amen. That's nice, isn't it? Okay, let's see the common English Bible. The common English Bible. It says, faith is the reality of what we hope for. The proof of what we don't see. Now, some words that I've recorded again and again. Proof, title, deed, substance, assurance, setting, sure, confident, convinced. You know, those evidence, those words recall again and again and again. Let me say this. You see, we could say that faith is grasping the unrealities of hope. I'm bringing them into the realm of reality. You hope for physical strength to do the work that you must do. Faith says, the Lord is the strength of my life. 
of whom shall I be afraid? You hope for finances to meet an obligation that you are faced with. Faith gives you the assurance that you will have the money when you need it. You see, faith in God is simply faith in his word. You don't know God any more than you know his word. You don't trust God any more than you trust his word. See, just like you and your word are one, God and his word are one. He is one with his word. Faith in God is faith in his word. Now, the word of God tells us in John's gospel, the first chapter from the first verse, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It says, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the word of God. He's the living word. He's the logos of God. He's God's word. He's the living word. Now, the Bible is also God's word. The Bible is the written word. You see, the written word is given to us to unveil the living word to us. The Bible is Christocentric. It's about Christ. It's centered around him. It's about him. Amen. The written word reveals the living word to us. Tell you a few things about God. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. It says, as he said it, and shall he not do it? Has he spoken it? And shall he not make it good? Jeremiah 1.12. He said, I watch over my word. That's how the American Standard Version puts it. I watch over my word to perform it. Told Jeremiah that's well seen. Talking about the almond that began to burn different places. Said that was well seen. Said for I, we, I watch over my word to perform it. King James says, I hasten over my word to perform it. You see, God is in a hurry to make his word good. In the life of the man or woman, boy or girl, tall or short, dark or slim, Caucasian or Latino, whatever skin color, notwithstanding, is in a hurry to make his word good in the life of the person who will dare to act on it. First Samuel 15, 29 says that the strength of Israel cannot lie. Neither will he repent. Amen. He's, for he's not a man that he should repent. He's called the strength of Israel. And he cannot lie. 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 Titus 1-2. In hope of eternal life. Which the God that cannot lie. Hath promised. Amen. He cannot lie. Hebrews 6.18 says that sin by two immutable things by which it was impossible for God to lie. You see, first there was the promise that God gave Abraham. But God said, look, my guy, you know, talking in wafi parlance. He said, so you go no say this thing we are doing, yeah, I mean, I'm. he swore by himself. Sin, there was none greater to swear by, he swore by himself. You know the meaning of where, where do people swear? One who do business and say, this guy could cheat me. Say, okay, they go to Ahmad Yoha. Or they go to Ogun Shrine or Batala Shrine, you know, Kija or go somewhere and then they swear. What they are saying is that if either of us defaults, this other power that's meant to be higher than either of them should deal with whoever does. You see, God wanted Abraham to know the immutability 
of his counsel. He swore by himself. You know, in Genesis 15, he gave, uh, Abraham asked God, he said, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And this Eliezer of Damascus is going to be my heir. He said, no, you have your own child. And the Bible says, Abraham believed God, Genesis 15, 6, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Then later, you know, God was now telling him about the land, Genesis 15, 6. God was now telling him about the land of Canaan, that he was going to inherit it. So Abraham asked, how do I know that I will inherit it? And God said, all right, bring me a heifer. Bring me turtle dove. Bring me this animal. Bring me that animal. See, Abraham understood what God was saying. That was covenant stuff God was talking about. He caught a covenant. The way covenants were caught, those animals were killed. They were arranged in a figure eight. There was now the walkway of blood. Both parties will back each other. And then they will take a walk. The animals will be killed. They will be put, killed diagonally this way. And then their bodies will be spread in two like that. And then they will both walk over those animals that were killed. And in essence, they were saying that if I fail to keep this covenant, may I be like this animal that was killed like this. You see, when God did that with Abraham, Abraham knew what God was talking about. But what was interesting is that because God knew that Abraham is Abraham, he's a man, he can fail. There was a representation. There was really the smoking uh, furnace and there was the burning lamp. Amen. Signifying the covenant that was between God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. You see, this stuff is caught in blood. It's caught in blood. God swore by himself. His life is on the line. See, there was, I was in a church service, and um, this was many, 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 many years ago. It wasn't in this city. Sometimes I'll hear people come to give a testimony how they believed God's word concerning something and how God came through. And then in being humble, they'll say, look, I'm so grateful that he came true. What if I believed his word and it didn't come true? He still will be God anyway. And everybody will say, yes, so, yes, so, you know, right? And it sounds, yeah. But let me tell you something. If you can really believe God's word and it doesn't come true, he will cease to be God. He will cease to be God. You see, his throne is back of it. He swore by himself. If I fail to keep it, what he said is, I, may I self-destruct? I will destroy myself. That's what he told Abraham. Now, he didn't do it that way because he wanted to bind himself so that he remembered that, ah, I must keep it. To, no, he was going to keep it. He did that to help Abraham know that, listen, you can trust me. You can count on me. You can depend on me. I said what I meant. I meant what I said. See, Isaiah 55, 11, God said, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Are you listening? In Matthew 24, 35, it says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. John 6, 63, it's the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. You can take it to the bank. You can pillow your head on the promises of God. You can go to sleep. You can say, listen, I heard from God. God told me. It was like, it was like when um, Paul was in that storm. And it, you know, for two weeks, nobody had eaten. Their life was in jeopardy. It looked like everything was going to be lost. Paul stood up. He said, there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Saying, fear not, Paul. 
for thou shalt be brought before Caesar. And I've given you not only your life, but the lives of all them that sail with thee. He now said in verse 25, Acts 27, said, Wherefore, sirs, I believe God that it shall be as it was told me. And of course, it came to pass. 276 of them, they were all saved. Somebody said, yeah, but that was an angel. An angel came from heaven to give that message. Listen, we have a more sure word of prophecy. That Bible in your hands, or in your tablet, or on your phone, is more sure than, uh, 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 than, uh, than, than an angel from heaven. You know, when the Bible says we have a more sure word of prophecy, in Second Peter, you know, if you read from 19 to 21, what was God talking about? Peter said they were with Jesus on the holy mount, the mount of transfiguration. When they had a voice speak to him, saying, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, hear ye him. You know, that was where Moses, they saw Moses, they saw Elijah, then they saw Jesus. Unless the attention gets on Moses or Elijah. Jesus said, no, forget about Moses and Elijah. Jesus is the real deal. Amen. And he said, look, we heard that. So, said, but listen, we have a more sure word of prophecy. That Bible, that word of God is more sure than a vision. Let me ask you something. What if as you got home tonight and you entered your house, you just had a vision of Jesus with some angels and he told you, I've come to tell you that you are healed. What will you do? And you've been battling an incredible disease. You call your pastor and say, I'm giving thanks even on Sunday. Yeah, I'm healed now. So how do you know? I say I'm healed. I'm healed. Can't you hear me? I say it is gone. So what do you know? I say, Jesus told me. I mean, what if you got home tonight and Jesus showed up and said, I've just come to tell you that 2019 is going to be the best year of your life so far. Ah, uh -uh. in fact, you just start. Come and join me, sing hallelujah. <laughs> Jehovah Jireh has joined me where, isn't it? Yes. But let me tell you, none of that is as sure as what we have. This is more sure. This is more sure. It can be trusted. It can be trusted. It can be trusted. It should be trusted. Come on, oh God. Information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.